a global criminal conspiracy, a prince, a jailed socialite, and a billionaire who may or may not have been murdered. Welcome to the world of the Jeffrey Epstein, The Prince and the Pervert podcast. Journalists Lisa and Jen bring you the ultimate deep dive. Hello and welcome to the Prince and the Pervert podcast. My name is Lisa Tate. I'm Jen Tarrant. We have a big episode today, Jen, don't we? We certainly do. So I am going to be talking about Leslie Groff and for the first time ever, she has spoken via her lawyer to a journalist and that journalist happens to be me and you. Yay! So we're going to go through that. Jen, you have found some documentation. The Virgin Islands is sending out subpoenas again. Yes, so the Virgin Islands is dealing with Epstein's estate. So there's been a lot going on there, but there's been a bit of silence for a while. There has. And he originally transferred everything through the Virgin Islands because it saved him an estimated 90% on his income taxes. Sounds very accurate, doesn't it? All about the money. Exactly. But they didn't count on a feisty female prosecutor by the name of Denise George in the US Virgin Islands. So she's going through this with a fine tooth comb. She certainly is. Now, shall we talk about Leslie Taylor Groff? Yes, please. Leslie Taylor Groff, who is now aged in her mid-50s, is allegedly a keeper of Jeffrey Epstein's secrets. She earned $200,000 a year working for him and was gifted a Mercedes by the billionaire during her maternity leave. Now, that's interesting, Jen, because Epstein told the New York Times in around 2005, there was an article about Epstein and his numerous Wall Street assistants. He said he couldn't lose Leslie to maternity leave, so she also was provided with a nanny. It sounds to me like Epstein, there were conditions with his gifts. Plus, she had an open tab at the hairdressers. Frederick Fakai. And we couldn't afford a blow dry there. And also, Frederick Fakai is famous for doing Hillary Clinton's hairstyle. That's right. Not only Leslie, but some of the girls. There was an open tab. And Le Cirque, which was a famous restaurant around there. They were also able to get food brought in from there, but you couldn't eat too much. Epstein was very determined that he only had thin staff working for him as well. And I've got a feeling there would have been caveats on the style of hair as well. Well, isn't that what Virginia Roberts actually said about Ghislaine Maxwell? All the girls had to have short hair. Interesting. And you can see it with Sarah Kellen. She's actually dyed her hair from her natural brown, cut it off. She had very long hair and she's got a bob. Also, he's alleged sex slave or whatever he called her. They're not my words. That's what the Miami Times was actually told a couple of years ago. But Nadia, the pilot, she went and had a short blonde bob as well. And that was at Ghislaine's request. Yes. And I don't know about you, but I don't fancy Ghislaine's haircut. Not my style. So when we talk about conditions of gifts, I certainly think that's the case with Epstein. But Leslie said in 2005 in that article she'd formed a close working bond with Epstein. Now, we can see that because she was working for him up until the time he died. And we now have that confirmed. So we're talking almost two decades. She would answer his phone and manage his schedule, which led to an affection between the two. Groff told the newspaper she could almost read Epstein's mind. It comes down to the bond, she said at the time. But yet her responses to legal action that she knew nothing of what was going on with the survivors. Interesting. And she said she never worked from Epstein's home. 
She worked from the Madison Avenue offices. I know what he is thinking and I know when I need to be fast. It's a nice role we're on. It's a nice way of putting it. A role. So Epstein said that he called his assistants an extra body part with an intuitive knowledge of his manifold needs and a 24-hour presence that makes them virtually indispensable to his personal and business success. Come on. Mind meld. They are an extension of my brain. This is disturbing, Mr Epstein said, who rarely talk publicly. Their intuition is something I don't have. Now, this is fascinating. He told the New York Times his assistants can pick up the stresses in one of his traders' voices. Did he have traders? That is interesting, isn't it? I would say no. Mm. And put the call right through. That can save me hundreds of thousands of dollars. So who was making the calls to Epstein? Who sounded stressed. What was being said to Epstein? Interesting. Now, we don't know if Leslie Groff has been helping law enforcement or if she's involved in the Ghislaine Maxwell criminal case in any way in terms of assisting the DA. We don't know anything about that. But according to a 2008 court document I found, Ms Groff also allegedly managed the travel, organisation and accommodation for many of the underage girls. She was also listed as a co-conspirator in the Florida plea deal. So according to a 2008 court document I found, Ms Groff allegedly managed the travel organisation and accommodation for many of the underage girls. One of the survivors told the New York Times, and I can use her name because it's in the article, Sarah Ransom, that Leslie communicated directly with her, repeating Mr Epstein's promises to help her obtain a fashion degree. She also monitored the rules the teens and other young women were meant to comply with while being trafficked by Epstein, court documents said. Leslie Groff has denied all of that, and it was part of a suit that was dropped either late last year or early this year so Sarah Ransom could access the compensation fund in the US Virgin Islands. Now, that was interesting. When that case was dropped by Ms. Ransom, Gross PR Machine in her local paper wrote that it was a vindication of her. Well, they seem to be quite open because I've been looking at Leslie and so have you now, Jenny, for close to, what, two years? So I decided it was time to ask some questions. So I sent some emails through to her crisis manager and the lawyer. So this is what the lawyers told me. Now, this is an exclusive. No one else has this. Leslie was working for Epstein until his arrest in 2019. She was an executive secretary for Epstein. Now, Epstein may or may not have been a billionaire. That's interesting, isn't it? Is that what the lawyer wrote? Yes. After his arrest, his attorney set up a company, so this is Darren Endike. Yes. Okay. D-K-I-L-L-C, to pay salaries and other overhead. Leslie considered herself to be an employee of Epstein until she resigned in 2019, but was simply being paid by the company set up by Endike at Epstein's direction or knowledge. But she's got on her LinkedIn that she was working for D-K-I-L-L-C. Interesting. Now, there's two properties that Leslie's linked to, and I'm not going to say where they are. It's not responsible to give out addresses. But both of them, we discovered last year, had been transferred out of her name solely into her husband's. So yes, were two properties that were transferred in 2019 and 2020, but it's just a coincidence that it coincided with around the time Epstein died, according to the lawyer. Now, she transferred her interest in her properties to her husband purely for estate planning purposes at the suggestion of her attorneys. 
Hmm, interesting. I don't know if I'd be transferring the title of my house solely to that of Mr. Jen. He might run away with it. Anyone knows about estate planning, please get in contact. You can find us on Twitter at Lisa Podcasts. I'm O'Reilly Truly. And let me know what you think. You can direct message us. And... The system in America would be different to what we deal with here. But there's no way, if we had joint title on our homes, that I would turn it just to be in his name. Yeah, that's just your opinion. We don't know what's going on in their life. We don't, do we? One of their properties, I asked about it because it came up in one of those searches when you put a property into Google and you get like basically lists of data. And Jeffrey Epstein's name came up on what I believe to be an investment property they had. But according to the Groffs, the property was never owned by Epstein directly or indirectly and he never gave the Groffs any real estate. Then it was just a weird coincidence that such a particular name, Jeffrey Epstein, ended up on the internet linked to this property. That's weird. Yeah, I can put that up later on the website if you want to have a look at it. Yeah, it is quite weird. Now, one thing I have always been fascinated about was an account by the FBI of a 2007 subpoena being delivered to Leslie Groff at her house. So there were two agents there, and this is their version. Leslie actually says that that's not what happened, but they claim they went into her house. She excused herself and said she needed to check on her child, who was sleeping, and allegedly contacted Epstein, who was on his plane about to turn up in New Jersey, where he thought that Nadia, who I mentioned earlier, who's the pilot, was going to be subpoenaed as well. So as soon as he found out about it, he did a quick 360, turned around and didn't end up landing in New Jersey. He was also haranguing Leslie Groff. Don't give them anything. Don't say anything. And that information came from the FBI. It's in court documents, but this is her response. When the FBI showed up in 2007 and asked to speak about her employment with Epstein, she did not call Epstein. She called company counsel. Darren Endike, perhaps? Possibly. Something that is routinely required by US companies when law enforcement requests to speak with an employee about her employer. The lawyers handled all communications with law enforcement, which is fascinating, okay, because the FBI said that phone call, whatever it was, impeded their investigation. It's interesting. The FBI is saying one thing and it turns up in court documents and now Leslie via her lawyers are saying something else. Yes, and the, also about the job with Endike, here are the dates, March 20, 2011, right? This is on your LinkedIn to September 19, 2019. But we appreciate getting a response. So let's go into a bit more detail about Leslie Taylor Groff. She was previously Mallon. She was married before to a man who owns a stationery, quite a large stationery business in New Jersey. But she grew up in Texas, Jen. Spoken to someone who went to school with her. She was very popular and very well liked by everyone. And she has an identical twin sister. So Leslie's mum, her name now is Diana Wright, she ran a dance school. And I actually wanted to know if is that maybe how Leslie met Epstein. Because of all the conspiracies surrounding this case, somebody has a dance school, somebody's mother was a massage therapist or ran a school, all of a sudden it's, they're part of it, they're part of it. But no. 
I aren't because I'm sick of people emailing me about it and putting it up on our Facebook page. And there's absolutely no link between Diana Wright's dance school and Jeffrey Epstein. She probably would have been retired anyway by the time Epstein was involved with her daughter. Exactly. As far as I know, Leslie started working for him around the year 2000. The one thing that's got me is Leslie's working as an assistant for Epstein, but she told the New York Times she graduated from the University of Texas. This is just me. You can call me a snob or whatever. But if you got a bachelor's degree, would you go in and organise Jeffrey Epstein's life? Would that be what you want to do? No. Both her and Ashley worked in the former husband's business as well. It must have been the pay grade. I just wonder. I spent a lot of time thinking about why she stuck with him for so long. And I think to an extent, he just ties you up, doesn't he? The salary she was getting for that type of work, the work title, role, whatever, was incredible. It's like twice what a PA or an exec secretary would be getting. Well, we're talking about 2005. She was on 200,000 US a year. Plus, she had the Mercedes and the nanny. I often wonder if it was like with that 15-year-old girl who was made be a nanny, allegedly, for the Jubins. I'm not saying you've done anything wrong here, Leslie. I'm not saying you're aware of any trafficking. I just would be, this is me, I would be concerned if Jeffrey Epstein offered me a nanny. I'm sure Leslie looked into it. I wouldn't be going, okay, that's my new nanny. I'd be looking for the nanny myself. Well, maybe that's what happened. But I do think Epstein tends to tie people up. So can we discuss quickly Sarah Kellen Vickers? Because we know from an insider that circa 2014, she was still working for Epstein looking for artwork. Yes. She didn't leave after she was married. She didn't need to work anymore. Her husband's a NASCAR driver, Brian Vickers, and he's a millionaire himself. So there was no need to earn the coin. So why was she still involved? I don't know. Maybe he blackmails everyone, threatens people. I've got a feeling that's probably it. It may come out in court. We don't know. We don't know, but I've solved some of the mysteries today. Why would someone, a University of Texas graduate, end up working for Epstein? I imagine it would be high stress working for someone like that. And doing the job where you're organising travel, scheduling things... You know, is that a really good use of your education and your skills? Hmm, fascinating, Jen. But maybe it was just that salary. Well, we could ask again. We could. Well, they've answered us once. Exactly. You know, I just think Ghislaine Maxwell is Ghislaine Maxwell and she's brought her own sort of life experiences into this, but I've always been fascinated by women who've been called lieutenants. And Leslie was one and was named in that plea deal. Exactly. We can't get away from that, can we? No. And so we've got Sarah Kellen, who's named as well, and Nadia. And I often think when dealing with a psychopath like Epstein, there's no clear story on why people were in this situation or how they got there. It makes it easier to understand how the hell they couldn't get out. Yeah, because she's now a mum in Connecticut who goes to Pilates and walks her dog and has Texas parties. Meets up with mum and stepdad and goes and watches her son's football games. They used to have holidays at Fire Island and she used to have a lake house. So she seems to me just like any other mum. Yeah, except the fact she was the secretary, a very highly paid secretary for a man who was a pedophile. She also liked Disney cruises. You found that photo of all of them at Disney Cruise. Yes, they have a lot of photographs out there, let's say. 
Okay, so you may be wondering why we know so much about Leslie, and it's thanks to her stepdad, Randy Wright, a former realtor who now lives in Texas. He had an entire Flickr page. Do you guys remember them from the early-ish to late 2000s, Jen, a Flickr page? Yep. Her stepdad just had masses of photos there, album after album. So Randy's albums and albums, there's thousands of photos, mainly of the wife. She has rather nice assets and he likes showing them off, let's say that. So Diana loves new clothing, she loves her jigsaws and Randy just loved taking photos of her. And which is fine and it seems to me like he has chronicled their lives fairly well. It's a wonderful trip down memory lane, like he loves her and loves showing her off. Yes, and their dog Cricket died last year. Rest in peace, Cricket. Her jigsaws were fantastic. So Randy's been chronicling their entire lives. So that's how we were able to find a lot of the information that we have. All the family get-togethers, the Texas parties, the Fire Island holidays, they're an incredibly close family. The twins often gathered with mum and stepdad. Yeah, they are a very close family. There's also some videos on YouTube of Leslie saying Merry Christmas to her family. And her and her sister singing a sister's song, which... Sisters, sisters. I don't like to demonise people. and Well, it depends. I do like to demonise Ghislaine, but I do feel like I've got enough facts. And a lot of these women, there is not a lot with their backstory. So that's why I think it's valuable. And please don't email me and say, get really, really cranky and say I'm justifying what Epstein did and the women who work for him. I'm not. I am just seeking to understand why these women got involved. We're not talking about the survivors here. We're talking about the women who worked for him, why they didn't walk off the job at the first sign of what he was up to. Maybe they did. See, that's the thing. We don't know. There may be so many former assistants out there who haven't come forward yet, who left after a week, a day, an hour even. We don't know. But he manipulates people. That's why we're so interested in the women who stayed long term. And Leslie was there for two decades. Why? Why? Yeah, when you come from a nice family, how do you end up working for Epstein? And staying employed. Yeah. As we said, she has been called the secret keeper. She must know something, even though she says she doesn't. And we have no idea, as Lisa pointed out earlier, whether or not she's involved in the criminal charges that have been laid against Maxwell. In the Virgin Islands yesterday, there was a notice of intent to serve a subpoena against a one David Mitchell. Now, who is David Mitchell? Doesn't really come up much, but David Mitchell was one of Epstein's closest mates. In fact, so close that he joined with Mark, that's Epstein's younger brother, offering up his own property as part of the proposed bond to get Epstein out of jail in 2019. So I went digging. Not much has been written about David at all. He's escaped scrutiny. In the Mother Jones article where the journalist went through and rang everybody. In the Epstein Black Book, which we now realise is Ghislaine's. The guy answered and said, no, I'm, I don't know Epstein. That's the David Mitchell in the book. So I've been digging. I've got a little bit, not much, but I know what I'm doing for the rest of the week. Very common name, though. That's the problem. But we've been finding a little bit. 
David Mitchell is the principal owner of Mitchell Holdings LLC. He did have a website, mitchellholdings.com, which was operating between 2001 and 2018. It now doesn't exist. And if you go into the Wayback Machine, there isn't much at all other than a placeholder. So he knows how to scrub and scrub he has. Now, according to what I have found, and remember there are many David Mitchells out there in the world, he offers investment advice and real estate advice. His employees, some sites say he has one to five, some say it's only three. According to one bio I found about him, he has 32 years in finance and real estate investment. His New York-based real estate development firm he founded in 1991, which is Mitchell Holdings, have completed over $3.7 billion in transactions. Prior to setting up his own firm, David held various senior positions at New York Stock Exchange member firms such as Rodman and Renshaw, Oppenheimer, and Bear Stearns, which is no doubt where he met Epstein. So I haven't got a copy of the subpoena yet. It's only notice of intent. But based on the other subpoenas we've seen come out of the Virgin Islands, it'd be any email correspondence, any documents, any verbal, anything and everything, all correspondence or communications with Epstein or Epstein Holdings, which would probably link in Endike and Khan as well. So in the Black Book, David Mitchell is listed as living at 24 East 22nd Street. There's eight phone numbers and two addresses for him as well. So he must know a lot, especially if he was going to hand over for Epstein's bond his own property. I think we'll need to search through Google Images and see if we can find photos of anyone, anyone called David Mitchell with Jeffrey Epstein. Though we have done a preliminary look and we're not quite sure exactly what he looks like at the moment. But he may have been to the New York Academy of Art, perhaps? Yes, or a Dubin fundraiser, perhaps? Jen, did you hear this one about Ghislaine being a tax deadbeat? To be honest, it does not surprise me. We have another podcast called Goodbye Glam Squad and those people that like to project an image of wealth and the very out there about it, they're usually smoke and mirrors. This is pretty hefty. $1,520,558.84. So the New York Post found this information and it's from a warrant filed by the tax department. She's number 47 on the tax department's list of top individual tax delinquents. Did you say delinquent? I know, delinquents. And the New York Post has called her a tax deadbeat. Well, we have to pay our taxes. Interesting, it all comes back to money, always. It does. She had, what, $20 million that she was able to put towards her bail, so why wasn't she paying her tax? See, that's the thing about the rich. I have no problem with people, like, doing it legally, but instead of, like, this whole sneakiness and just not paying it at all, that just doesn't work out because if you're a, at KFC working behind the counter there, you have to pay your tax, so why doesn't she? See, that was the whole Epstein financial planning. What he offered was ways to mitigate tax. And that's why he went to the Virgin Islands with his own money as well. I think they were estranged. By that stage, yes. So he wouldn't have been helping her out. 
Now, in other news this week, we all know that there was a massive document drop in the civil case that Virginia Dufresne brought against Maxwell in 2016 for defamation. Now, a lot of those documents had been under seal and there'd be huge argy-bargy about whether or not they should be released or kept under seal. There is a lot of redactions, though, unfortunately. And there's nothing really new in there. Most of it we already knew or had assumed knowledge of because we know this case so well. But there was a few things that jumped out. One thing that made me laugh is recently the Real Ghislaine Twitter account, which is run by Ghislaine's family and it's linked to the website, which was set up to tell the truth about Ghislaine and prove her innocence. They've been linking Ghislaine to fictional characters like Hannibal Lecter due to the circumstances of her imprisonment, how bad it is. They've also aligned her with Princess Diana. You know, she's selfless and kind and all that. Nelson Mandela. But in the 2016 defamation case, when they were trying to fight that she keeps all her financials hidden or out of the court until if there was a settlement part of it, if she was found liable, she invoked the name of... Diana Ross, the legendary singer. Diana Ross was sued in diversity for a single count of state law defamation, including a claim for punitive damages. And that was in 1985. In denying the plaintiff's motion to compel discovery of her, Diana Ross's, financial information, the court noted, the rule in New York is that evidence of defendant's wealth, brackets can, close brackets, not be brought out upon trial unless and until the jury brings in a special verdict that plaintiff is entitled to punitive damages against defendant. Now, that was Ghislaine Maxwell's arguments back then, that she didn't have to offer up any financials until and only if Virginia was found to have won the case. So she invoked the name of Diana Ross. So other than those many, many, many documents we had to read through last week, the new subpoena, the groffs getting back to us, there's not been much else. No, there hasn't. But we do thank you for listening to us. You can track us down on Twitter at Lisa Podcasts. I'm a really truly on Twitter. And you'll also find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. So now we just wanted to let you know we're going to have our intern, Jiz Stain, come in and read the names of our patrons who very generously support us with a small donation each month. Thank you for that. I'll put the details in the show notes if you'd like to make a contribution. You can also buy us a coffee, Jen. Because we're about to leave and go and have coffee and leave you with Jiz Stain. So let me know if she does anything inappropriate. This is a big trust exercise. I still haven't worked out her password for the Gistane Twitter account, so I'm sorry if she's been hitting everybody up for money again. She's terribly rude. I am sorry. We will let her in and fingers crossed. She behaves. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Hello, everyone. I see there's new names here. I don't like these new people. So I'll say them first and get it over and done with. I don't wish to thank Jemime. I don't wish to thank Sadie, Laura, Rhonda or Charlotte. Welcome aboard. We've been expecting you. 
Anyway, and to the rest of you bitches, no thanks to Jody, Amy, Sally, Lazy Lawyer, Katrina, Nick, PJ, Deirdre, Jen, Jean, Pam, Eve, Mary-Kate, Sophie, Angela, Colleen, Rob, Amber, Susan, Leslie, Esther, Tanya, Vanessa, Belissa, Cindy, Melissa, Barbara, Andreas, Dana, Gloria, Tiffany, Lizzie, Nancy, Gail, Catherine, Susan, Tara, Rob, Amy, Diana, Christina, Ellen, Marianne, Amanda, Kale and Georgia, Carol, Susan, Gemma, Aaron, Linda, Sam, Montine, Amy, Allison, Pauline, Ashton, Broman, Diane, Peter, Amber, Dala, Robin, Lisa, Jonathan, Claire, Beth, Carolyn, Jen, Molly, Meredith, Nicole, Jonathan, Wendy, Bungle, Bungle the dog, Prince Muskin, Sarah, Rachel, Stephanie, Galana, Victoria, Madge, T.L., Janet, Andrea, Matt, Mary Ellen, El Presidente, the traitor, Courtney, Allison, Susan, Megan, Nicole, Nicole with a K, Vera, Candace, Stephanie, Judelbug, Sally, Francis, Anna, Sue, Andreas, Jobo, Cindy, Elizabeth, Taylor, Freeside Orbital, Mary, Leslie, I wonder if that's Leslie Groff, Sandra Lane, Paula, Kyle, Kylie, Wannabe Sleuth, Caitlin, Mimi, Sharon, JW, Tammy, Lois, Violet, Sarah, Sarah, Annette, KJR, Ruth, Jody, Stephen, and Jessica. Please, please, all send me $5. I need to buy more ramen. And if it's you, Leslie Groff, who's joined them, bugger you. You better not say anything, darling. Anyway, I'm off. Hi, it's Lisa here. Do you want to help us produce the Prince and the Pervert podcast? One of our kind listeners has been asking how they can support us. So we've started a Patreon account, which not only benefits you in terms of extra content and exclusive content, it also helps us just cover our costs. At the end of the day, this is a labour of love and we're determined to follow the case until the end. These women absolutely matter. That's why we're doing this work, and we are all in this together. Details of the Patreon account are in the show notes. Thank you.